Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. Well, hello and welcome to episode 83 of Drink the Movies. I'm Brian here as always with Michaela. Michaela, we are back to the movie theater. We are seeing another new release. That is two weeks in a row. We've been to the movies to bring a new release to everyone. But, uh, you know, besides going to movies midweek, which is, you know, something that we we like to do. What else have you been up to? Did you get up to anything this weekend? See any new uh, any new TV shows? You said you were uh, having some struggles last week. Were you able to find anything better to watch? Or, uh, yes. What, do you, what have you been up to? The, the next season, season three of The Boys came out. It did, and yes. It came right out. I have been <laughs> binging it, and holy moly, it is real good. It is so violent. Yes. Um, I mean, and it's not even, wow, it's so violent, but it is so good. The first episode, Anthony, my husband, is not a squeamish at all, but the first 20 minutes of that, 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 episode he was like what is going on this is so Mm. bad um (laughs) but i am enjoying that um we started watching uh season two of the flight attendant okay and that's been out for a while and i didn't realize it because i had been not looking at what's going on on hbo and that's on hbo max or hbo go whichever one you have and um and that's actually pretty good it's a different kind of it's a, taken a very different turn than the first season, but if you mm. enjoyed the first season, I think you'd enjoy the second season. It's, it's pretty good. It's got a lot of, a lot of twists and turns, um, much better, much better this week than last week, last are, week, everything I tried was horrible or just didn't work for me. I don't know, but you're, you're doing much, much better this week. Yeah. So, uh, got caught up on the boys, uh, ourselves. So we're all the way up to the, to the newest episode there yeah very very violent uh very very lewd uh as you might say don't don't let your kids watch it so i got caught up on that we watched through this uh, latest season of the umbrella academy which is a show that i really like um season three was not firing on all cylinders for me but the kind of final three episodes of it really kind of pull it together it was really really good and then i uh, haven't had a chance to watch it yet but the new season of westworld just uh dropped on sunday so i'm very excited to watch that uh have no idea what's going on in westworld can't understand it not smart enough for westworld but i'm still gonna watch it because it's still great uh and i love it so uh okay so it's not to... just me it's not just no. me that doesn't get it okay no, cool. because i it's possible that it's me, you, the writers, the directors, the actor. I don't know. I don't know if anyone understands it. Maybe they do. Maybe, maybe I'm just not as, as smart as I hold myself in esteem to be. But I don't know, B. You're pretty smart. You pretty yeah. you understood the ending of all the bad endings of every television series ever. You can uh, explain true. why they're all great, like Lost and Game of Thrones and Sopranos. I all the all the crappy endings. You're you're able to divinely explain all of that. So I think you're intelligent enough to understand Westworld. It really terrifies me if if you don't understand Westworld because I've only watched the first half of the season, the first season twice, because each time I'm like, I will get it. I have to understand, I I, I don't get it, but it's, it's visually really cool. The acting's really cool. The concept's really cool. 
I can't quite even finish the first season and you're going to jump right into season four going, going back into season four. Yeah. I'm not even going to rewatch season three. No bother. Just going to jump right into it and explaining away bad endings. That is my boys level uh, superpower that I have my very random skill that I have. I can take out into the world and uh, do good with or do bad with. I guess it depends on, on how the ratings are going, but this week our superpower is talking about new release. That is Elvis. So what we need to do is take a quick break and we will be right back to mix up the cocktail and, uh, you know, get in, get into the king, the king of it all. We'll be right back. Okay. This week, uh, we're talking about Elvis and that means that we've got to talk about the color pink. It's my favorite thing in the world. The color pink, um, especially if it's in a pink Cadillac and, uh, you know, this drink is actually quite famous, the Pink Cadillac Cocktail. Uh, the Pink Cadillac Margarita, actually, is what its formal name is. And you can mm-hmm. look this up anywhere. Um, basically, it is a pink um, margarita that's amazing. Yeah. And um, we're going to go through what we 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 just kind of crafted a margarita on our own and then added some cranberry juice. If you look this up and Google, Google is your friend, uh, it's going to tell you to do the same thing. So this was our favorite margarita mix. Um, and then our added cranberry juice to make it nice and pink. Um, mm-hmm, do you mm-hmm. want to go through and read out all the ingredients? Yeah. So we've done a, uh, we've done margaritas a couple of times we did back in the, uh, Oscar preview episode back in, I think, for 2021. Uh, we just did kind of our house margaritas because we happen to be recording that on National Margarita Day. So go back and listen to that if you want just our regular margarita recipes. We also did, uh, I'm carrying a watermelon margarita uh, for Dirty Dancing, which is an excellent, excellent cocktail. It was one of our very favorites. So definitely go look up uh, that one. And I guess that one could probably fill in as your pink Cadillac margarita if you wanted. Um, now, kind of depending on what recipe you look at, it's going to be some sort of red fruit juice that's going to give it the pink hue. So we opted for cranberry juice, but uh, you'll see some of them with like raspberry juice or strawberry or, you know, kind of anything that makes it pink. But that is the that is the key ingredient here. And this is a pretty basic margarita. This is very akin to what you're going to get when you go out to your favorite uh, Mexican restaurant. You order like the house margarita. It's going to come something like this. So it's going to be one and a half ounces of Reposado tequila, half an ounce of orange liqueur, and then a quarter ounce of orange juice, a half ounce of lime juice, and two ounces of your favorite margarita or like sour mix. Or you could probably like use like a whiskey sour mix. You know, it's just any kind of sour mix you want to use. And then we threw a half ounce of that cranberry juice in there. Uh, we opted to shake ours with ice and strain it into the glass so we get like a nice, uh, you know, bright pink uh, you know, cocktail there. Good for the pictures, good for all that. But you could definitely serve this over ice. Uh, with salt, if you like to do that way, you could probably even do sugar because of the, the fruit juice addition in there. You could blend it. Uh, you could do anything you want. Like I said, this is just a very good, simple, straightforward margarita, like a good house recipe. And then, yeah, jazz it up with the cranberry or whatever you want to do. So, Michaela, margaritas. Are margaritas your jam? They are pink my jam. Pink is your jam. Pink is your pink, jam. That's right. Pink is definitely my jam. Margaritas are my jam. Um, I really liked how easy this was to put together for Mm -hmm. rocks margarita. Usually I'm worried that it's going to be too sour or too tart because of all of the lime or lemon or Mm -hmm. orange. Um, But this was really nice. Even before we put the cranberry juice in it, we had a little taste and it was beautiful. So if you're in the market for a just solid, really good rocks margarita. This is it. I really like it. It doesn't, I mean, it's got a few ingredients in it, but it's not 
super hard to put together. Uh, the cranberry juice obviously made it my favorite color and that is amazing but it also added a, a extra layer of sweetness to it so mm -hmm. it was really pretty um i could totally see me having like a girl's pool day and you know sugaring the rim with some more pink sugar crystals or something and making it even more foo-foo and foo-foo-y and and pretty and pink um but i really liked it i thought it was very tasty and pretty easy to do yeah, absolutely. I think that the that little splash of orange juice really helps kind of round it out because yeah, sometimes a margarita does get a little bit too too much on the uh, yeah. sour side of the spectrum. So I think the orange juice uh, is just there to brighten it up a little bit and uh, make it really tasty. And yeah, you could definitely batch this out, do a big pitcher of it um, as people like to do um, or whatever you want to do. So try that, try it with the cranberry, try it with a different fruit. Let us know, take pictures of it, listen to it while you're uh, I don't know, uh, dreaming of getting your own pink Cadillac while you're listening to your favorite Elvis album, you know, uh, do it up, do it however you want to do it, but let us know because we want to see pictures of it right now. But Michaela, now that we have these made, we're going to take our margarita, I'm going to drink this margarita, and then we're going to go make another one, and then we're going to be right back to talk about this week's film, Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. Spoiler warning for Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. If you've not yet seen this, that's okay. A lot of people haven't because it's a brand new film, but we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the entire movie. So if you don't want to know what happens in Elvis, don't watch this until you have. But even if you haven't, you should definitely get yourself a pink Cadillac margarita because it's very tasty. So go make one of those up, sit back and enjoy us discussing all the ins and outs of the Boz Lerman new classic Elvis. Uh, that's right. Yeah. So uh, this uh, film, as Michaela just said, it just came out on June the 24th, 2022, directed by Baz Luhrmann, who, of course, brought us the Great Gatsby, Moulin Rouge and Romeo and Juliet, uh, which we have talked about on a previous episode. And this one stars Tom Hanks as Colonel Tom Parker and Austin Butler as Elvis. Uh, now, uh, Michaela said, uh, spoiler warning for the movie, we're going to talk about the movie. Uh, and we are, of course. Uh, also, I guess, spoiler, if you don't know anything about Elvis, uh, if you kind of know uh, a little bit of the ins and outs of his career, certainly, uh, I don't think either of us were, you know, super familiar with all of the inner workings of, of Elvis's kind of career that we saw in this film, but we knew kind of kind of the gist of his story. And that's kind of what we're uh, getting here in this uh, film. So Michaela going into this, uh, we've been seeing the previews for it for a while. Uh, you know, Tom Hanks is in it. Tom Hanks is uh, great and all the things, anytime he's in something, it's definitely worth watching. Austin Butler looked great. The, you know, the trailer, it sets it up. It looks beautiful. It looks exciting. Uh, it's Baz Luhrmann. You kind of know what you're going to get with one of his films, but, uh, what were your expectations, I guess, going into this thing? I was expecting to be visually stunned by kind of the set design and the colors. You know, mm -hmm. we talked a lot about that when we talked about Romeo and Juliet, how, you know, to make some the, you know, certain things, certain aspects of the film really pop on the screen. Mm -hmm. And so I was super excited. The reviews or sorry, the previews of the film, I thought were very good at getting people excited if they weren't super excited about Elvis. I mean, it's been 50 years, 45 years since Elvis has passed away. So mm -hmm. a lot of people uh, have been born since then and don't know who he is and don't understand the, the, the kind of craziness that America had and the love that America had for that, that performer. So um, they, you know, I thought the preview did a really good job of give, giving people uh, just enough of kind of the scope of, 
life that we were going to talk about or see in the Elvis movie, but also those pops of color. And of course, the the dynamic of the relationship between Elvis himself and Colonel Tom Parker and really having that be the focus. Mm -hmm. Um, I am a huge fan of Tom Hanks. There's very few things that he's done that I've not seen. Um, So I was very excited because I think we can expect, or at least I expected a solid performance from him. Austin Butler, I had seen in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We had both talked about that. That's a film that we had done, but I hadn't really seen much other stuff from him. Um, he's mm-hmm. really does a great job of looking the part. The His voice is really, really lovely. And the cadence in which he talks, I think is very similar to Elvis Presley, the real person. So I thought he did a really good job um, in the preview. So I was very much expecting that. Mm-hmm. What about you? Yeah, kind of the same. Um, like we said, you know, Baz Luhrmann, you kind of know what you're going to get. It's going to be kind of this bright, bombastic, kind of frenetic, uh, paced, you know, sort of tale that's woven uh, with bright colors and a lot of music, um, you know, and just uh, a lot of uh, dynamic uh, cuts and shots. And it's just very flashy. So that's kind of what I expected to get. And that is definitely what you, you get. And uh, you'd mentioned, you know, Austin Butler as Elvis uh, really uh, definitely looks the parts, uh, definitely sounded the part. And we'll kind of get a little bit more into what we thought about him as we, uh, you know, kind of work our way through the story. And then, uh, yeah, Tom Hanks is, is so great. And he's playing Colonel Tom Parker. And this is a character, um, a, a, well, a character, an actual person that I didn't really know too much about. I wasn't super familiar with him. And that's who we're getting the story told through kind of the perspective of him. So Colonel Tom Parker is basically narrating this thing. So the film gets started up. It's, it's him. He's in the hospital. He's basically going into, I don't know, some, some coma kind of, kind of trance into some, something. And he's basically talking to the audience saying, you know, about Elvis's story and about how uh, he gets a lot of the blame for what happened to Elvis and kind of his downfall at the end of his career. Uh, And he's, he's weaving the story for us. And then it kind of gets into, into Elvis. So it talks, you know, about him, you know, kind of discovering Elvis and seeing he's this bright up and comer. He's kind of bridging the gap between, uh, you know, the, the white population, the black population, all the kids seem to be, you know, high on Elvis. He is perfect for this new kind of traveling roadshow concert series thing that Colonel Tom Parker's putting together. And he keeps calling, keep referencing to himself as the snowman because he can make it snow. He's figured out kind of this carny lifestyle where he can, you know, he, he knows the right acts to put in front of the right people and uh, make a lot of money and kind of capitalize on all of these things. And that's how the story gets kind of kicked off. We uh, meet up with Elvis and they're going on the road. That's right. And I love the opening scene. I thought this was so classic Boslerman when Colonel Tom Parker's character, he's ha- I guess he has a heart attack in the middle of Las Vegas uh, playing a game or doing doing a slot machine or something. And the, car- the camera goes into his eye and all of these kind of memories happen just in a, mm-hmm. like in a blink of an eye, the way that they show that I thought was really beautiful. And to me felt very Bos Lermany. You know what I mean? Yep. That's going to be my new word. It's very Bos Lermany. Um, or uh, yeah. It's, so I thought that that was really cool because a lot of people who liked Elvis know him from his movies. Cause he did like 45 films at one point. Um, but really showing the poverty and how he grew up. And when he grew up, a lot of his friends were people of color. And so he 
always felt like um, kind of this new, this new age. They they call it uh, hippie hippie ish as they and uh, as he grows older, he like he really believed that everybody were just you know all his friends were just people, and he grew up mm-hmm. in you know this low socioeconomic kind of place um, with his father and mother. But to him, they all this place was just his family and friends. Like he didn't understand why they couldn't, you know, these his friends couldn't come watch him sing. And so there it it showed this dynamic where as he was getting more and more popular and he's going on this kind of carnival uh, show with Colonel Tom Parker as like the, as, as the opening gig, right. For, for Hank Snow, he is like, well, I don't, I don't think I believe that we shouldn't have a voice in why, you know, people of color and white folks can't be in the same space. They can't listen to music. They have to, we have to put a rope down and, you know, segregate them. I don't understand why we're doing this. And of course, mm-hmm. Colonel Tom Parker is all about the snow. And I think when he says make it snow, he means make it rain because he wants a lot of money. And that's all he seems to really care about. He doesn't really care mm-hmm. about Elvis as a human or as a performer or what he wants to say in the world. It's very much like, you know, you know, what can you get me and how much of a take can I get? How much of a percentage can I get on every show that you do? Um, and that yeah. becomes very apparent where, you know, they, there's this dynamic um, between them that is toxic yet codependent and mm-hmm. not healthy, I will say. Yeah, yeah. there's um, there's a really good scene as they're kind of going through uh, kind of this traveling roadshow kind of thing where it's, you know, cutting in and out of some of his performances. And, you know, you see the the crowds, you know, basically salivating at the side of Elvis, which you know, in the year 2022, it, you look at it and you're like, this is kind of absurd, but you have to, you have to kind of take a step back and, you know, think, you know, back in the, you know, forties and fifties, like this was, you know, something, something insane. And the movie does a good job of, you know, kind of saying the, the political uh, turmoil and legal turmoil that, that that caused. And it does a good job of kind of flashing back and showing Elvis's kind of upbringing, I guess, and, you know, kind of learning and, you know, being amongst uh, the people who are, you know, bringing, you know, the blues, uh, out, you know, blues clubs, uh, jazz clubs, like dance clubs. And, you know, that's playing a lot on his influence, but you get kind of through this roadshow piece. And then there's a scene that I really liked. It was probably my favorite scene um, in the movie is they're setting on this Ferris wheel kind of thing. And uh, Colonel Tom Parker is talking to him. And he's like, you know, Elvis, I saw you out there. Uh, you are alone. Only I can, can, you know, lead you out of here. I'm giving up everyone else just so uh, you and I can be together. Uh, we can uh, work our way through this and, you know, we can, you know, make each other uh, lots of money. We can make each other really happy. We can do all of this stuff. We have to do it together. But we have to get your parents on board. Uh, and, you know, they're able to do that. And basically at this point, Colonel Tom Parker is running the Elvis Presley train, uh, all the merch, all the shows. He is he is directing this uh, genius uh, king of rock and roll. Uh, now on. That's it. He He's in charge. Not unhealthy at all. This uh, this no. guy, um, you know, the real turn, Colonel Tom Parker, actually, they I guess he he was supposed to be, have been he wasn't really a colonel. He'd been given that title of some honorary rank of colonel in Louisiana in the state militia or something. But he um, had been uh, called a sociopath. <laughs> and yes. and I 
I, I totally buy it after if any of this uh, movie is true, um, because he does really do, do this master manipulation on Elvis, right? Elvis just wants to do right by his mom. He and his mom are very close. Um, it's actually kind of, I mean, I have a young son and I think it's kind of weird how close they are because he's an adult and, but he really wants his mom to um, be proud of him. And he wants to take care of his father. He believes his father is a good man, even though his father spent some time in, in jail. So, you know, Colonel Tom Parker uses all of these things to push these buttons and manipulate Elvis into giving him this exclusive deal. And not only that, giving him like a 50% commission on everything that is taken in. And that's hugely problematic uh, later because he makes his dad, who doesn't seem to really understand how business works or have an eye for any of that, um, his mm -hmm. business manager. And so you know, it's fine as long as the money's coming in. But as we see later, there's a lot of things that have to happen in order for Elvis to continue to perform and for mm -hmm. the money to keep rolling in. Right. So um, we one thing I did really like is this was not a story about Priscilla Presley and Elvis Presley. It was not a love story centered mm -hmm. on the two of them. She definitely is in it. Priscilla Presley's in it. They show that relationship and how special um, it seemed to be. Um, yeah. And she's played yeah. by Olivia, uh, Olivia de Jong. And I thought that she did excellent. And, you know, kind of every time she popped up in the scene, she kind of kind of stole it um, as being kind of this sweetheart character that was the only one uh, who could kind of keep Elvis on the straight and narrow yeah. um, at, at certain points. Um, but I thought I thought that she did excellent. But, yeah, you bring up a, a good point. It wasn't really about their story. The, the focus did pretty much remain on Elvis throughout. Yeah, no, and I, I like that because there's been a lot of movies. There was a mini t mini series, you know, Elvis and Me. There was a lot, there's been a lot of that. And so this I thought was a really interesting take on the life of Elvis and like how, you know, everybody or almost everybody kind of just wanted a piece and they didn't maybe even know or mean to manipulate him in that way. I mean, I'm mm. sure his family really loved him and his friends really loved him, but he had this giant entourage that he paid for and all of them were really invested and become really invested as the movie goes on as to make sure he's performing. And so of course there's this whole, uh, you know, area of, of history where he's not allowed to perform certain ways or make certain moves on stage because um, when he wiggles his hips and shakes his feet, every girl freaks out. And I thought that was really uh, a great scene um, mm -hmm. because it really shows how um, how crazy it was. And I was not alive, but um, I have, uh, my grandmother was a huge Elvis fan. And when she told me the story of the first time she saw Elvis, it really was reminiscent of that of that point yeah. in the film where all of a sudden she didn't realize but she had jumped out of her chair and was screaming at the tv and she had her family thought she had lost her mind he was you know this amazing thing and she had no idea that she had even done it and she was became one of those screaming girls um right and i love that scene but there's this point right where Elvis is like, what am I doing? What do I have to say? I don't want to just perform. I have things to say about what's going on in the world around me. And Colonel Tom Parker is like, dude, you're, you know, stay in your lane. Just, right. yeah. just sing, just go out there and sing and let's make some money. Like you don't, you're not a politician. Stop it. Which I think is interesting because yeah. as we, have we see now, right. Um, 
people have opinions and give their opinions as performers. And there are some people that love that. And some people are like the Colonel Tom Parker's that they're like, Hey, I don't want, yeah. I don't want your thoughts on the crisis of, of the world right now. Just, just sing me a song. Cause I'd rather be entertained than think about anything. So. Yeah, that's right. So, so they have this, they have kind of this, uh, this relationship where, you know, they're kind of codependent, I guess, on, on one another, you could say, um, you do get some, some cool stuff with uh, Graceland, you get to see kind of that initial like first purchase of it. And you get to see like his parents moving in to it and all of his uh, family moving into it. One of the things that I liked about the film is that every time uh, we go back to Graceland, there are a couple more Cadillacs parked in the uh, driveway, which I thought was pretty good. Um, that's one of the things they say on the, uh, the, the Ferris wheel, you know, I want to buy my mom a Cadillac and, you know, it turns into two and then, you know, 200. Uh, and then a thousand Cadillacs. So you get to see kind of that, that progression of, of his wealth and the power and the status that he has, you know, kind of in the, uh, the cultural psyche of the world. But yeah. And then it's, it just kind of is the story about this uh, codependency on, on one another. Um, you get some kind of interesting stuff, which is, you know, something I knew I'd, I'd kind of forgotten that Elvis had to, you know, enlist in the army and go and do that. Um, they do a good job of kind of bringing, that's the forefront a little bit. Um, we don't really get to spend any time with him in the army, but you know, they definitely talk about the reasons why he had to go do it and uh, kind of the aftermath of, you know, what that meant to have gone and done it. And it basically kind of altered the course of his career, right? It basically set him on this, uh, this path into Hollywood, as opposed to just being kind of this uh, traveling uh, yeah. musician uh, kind of show it, you know, it yeah. basically, you know, elevated him up. And I, I will say that's something that, you know, Colonel Tom Parker could see. He's like, you know, we, <laughs> if we clean up your image, it'll open, you know, instead of having one door open, it'll open, you know, 10 doors. So, uh, you know, he was able to do that, you know, even as kind of nefarious and as narcissistic as it was. But, um, but I thought that that was interesting. That was a good take. And that of course leads us into, uh, meeting Priscilla and getting, uh, their relationship off of the uh, ground. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that was, that was probably the biggest course uh, change in his personal life was that it was in Germany where he met Priscilla Beaulieu. And, um, you know, they don't talk about it a lot. She was like 14. He was 24. That mm. was that, that happened. And, um, you know, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I don't know what else to say that that was a thing. Um, didn't go over so well with her parents, but you know, uh, later in life when he's a little bit older and she's a little bit older, you know, they get married. So it all, I guess it all works out. I don't, it's amazing how, how that works. But, um, I also, I didn't realize how much it was important to Elvis to be a serious, what, what he called a serious actor, like James Dean, this really highlighted that, um, a couple of things in his mind, right. His hopes and his dreams of what he wanted to do and how, once again, you know, in this movie's universe, Colonel Tom Parker really stole those, right? He right. made sure he did, you know, all these films that he was singing in and stuff, because that's what everybody wanted him to do. But it wasn't something that he necessarily wanted to do. And, you know, it doesn't even talk about how, you know, if he would have been any good at being a serious actor, right? You know, we mm -hmm. see a lot of people now that are um, performers doing music or whatever, and then they dabble in these other things and it ends up going very well for them. But it, uh, you know, you don't really get the feeling that he was even able to experiment with that very well. Um, right. or, you know, that it was really all about Colonel Tom Parker. And then of course he gets a little bit older and he wants more stability for his wife and his 
daughter and, you know, Colonel Tom Parker is also racking up this crazy debt. He's a big gambler. And so he gets this great idea to have this long series of concerts um, in mm-hmm. Vegas. And yeah. that's really interesting to me because I never, I didn't know when that was, when that actually happened and how that all came about. Um, right. Elvis is very synonymous with Vegas now, right? You, you got married by Elvis, that, right? That's right. As a, <laughs> in Vegas. As a, that's right. As a, as a quick aside, my wife and I did our 10 uh, year uh, renewal of our vows. We did it in uh, Las Vegas. We did it at the uh, with Elvis. So we got picked up in a pink Cadillac. I did not have a pink Cadillac mar- margarita. I should have done that when we, when we were doing it, I had, you know, plenty of other drinks, uh, but yeah, that was, that was a fun time. It was something that, that we wanted to do. And we love kind of that, you know, that Elvis kind of flair of, uh, old Vegas is something that we thought was really fun, but yeah, he gets them set up into this, uh, Las Vegas kind of residency at the, at this new hotel that's just opened, um, which is no longer there. Um, but he, he gets them in there. He kind of locks them, locks them in and kind of makes this, I, I don't know. It's, it's almost like a, a deal with the devil kind of almost, but he, he basically signs the, uh, rights away to Elvis at this point, And it's going to put the kibosh on anything that he'd wanted to do. One of the big kind of sticking points in the last third of the film is that Elvis really wants to go and do like this international tour. Cause he says, you know, he's never been out of the country other than when he was in the army, he wanted to go and do all of these, you know, performances elsewhere in Japan and, you know, France, all these, all these places he wanted to go to. And uh, Colonel Tom Parker would uh, never allow that to happen. He was putting him into TV programs and uh, recording records that he didn't really want to do. Didn't feel passionately about, but Colonel Tom Parker could see the dollar signs at the ends of all of those. Um, you get a lot of really good interactions uh, with uh, Parker and, you know, like people from Singer and, you know, things like that, you know, the kind of the sponsors of these shows, which I thought was was really good. And and you see, Elvis, he's just kind of, I don't know, he's like stuck in this rut and he, he can't get out of it. And Tom Parker is not letting him out of it. And that's kind of the crux of this story, really. And that's something that I liked because um, we talked about it a little bit on on some lobby bars and stuff leading up to it. Michaela, you were worried, you know, how exploitative this might be. Uh, we knew that the family was kind of on board with it. And uh, it's easy to tell an Elvis story and you get into kind of those like 1970s Elvis where, you know, the drugs are flowing and the, yeah. the women are flowing and the, you know, the, you know, all of the money is getting spent, you know, hand over fist. And, uh, you know, ultimately, you know, that ends up uh, ending his life prematurely. So it's easy to tell that story. It's harder to tell a story about Elvis where, you know, he's kind of this, this victim, you know, within his own life where he's, uh, you know, basically this uh, like dog and pony show that everyone's benefiting from. And obviously Colonel Tom Parker is kind of the main villain of the story, but I mean, he makes a, he makes a good point and you can see it. He has like this whole entourage of people, all of his friends from uh, back in Memphis, uh, his dad, you know, not able to kind of manage his money well and keep Elvis, you know, on a little bit of a, on a little bit of a short leash when it comes to, you know, spending, you know, thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars on things. And, you know, it's just kind of a victim of circumstance, right? You have this, you know, once in a lifetime generational talent that's able to change the world. But, um, you know, it's really about the people that you're surrounded with ultimately is what's going to make or break your, your career, your family, your life. And, and that was the story that Baz Luhrmann got. And I thought that that was, that was pretty great. That was a good story to tell. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, at the end of the film, it shows this really cool montage of real photography of um, Elvis 
Presley singing and how he had physically changed, right? And everybody mm -hmm. in the last few years of his life, he had gained some weight. Everybody was kind of talking about it and kind of making fun of like the fat Elvis. And um, but he doesn't just look like he's gained some weight. He looks so ill. Like and looking yeah. at it now, um, it I it was very shocking to see because in the way that they had edited it, you know, he goes from seemingly being you know, fine, but having a lot of problems with drugs to looking incredibly aged, but still having this really beautiful voice and wanting to perform and just wanting that love from the audience. Mm -hmm. And the way that they show that I thought really did hit home some of the other areas that were less salacious, but probably more important lessons to be learned or things to, to kind of glean from the whole story of this this real person who was really alive and who has children that are still alive and grandchildren and so forth today. Um, and I thought, I thought that was very brave. Um, it was a very brave choice. And they, we also don't 100%. Well, I don't know. We, for Colonel Tom Parker, you, you definitely view him as the villain, but you certainly don't view him as the only villain. So mm -hmm. this wasn't something that, you know, you know, this character physically killed or hurt Elvis Presley, right? He just right. allowed, it, it's almost worse though, because he just allowed this thing to happen because he just didn't care about him. And, right. and he manipulated all of these other people who did care about him to continue to let this happen. Um, and the way that that was devised and written and kind of formed throughout the story I thought was a very brave choice yeah yeah there's a there's a good scene kind of at the uh as we get into kind of the final act of the film where uh, Elvis is uh, passed out uh on some drugs and just the kind of stress and things and um you know he <laughs> Colonel Tom Parker looks at all of his friends and at his dad and are like I, I don't care if he's sick or or hungover or strung out or if he's overdosing right now uh, he needs to be on the stage and they all just kind of look at each other and they're like, okay. And they, they get him onto the stage. Right. You know, Colonel Tom Parker is, is calling all the shots and pulling all the strings. But yeah. Like you said, he's not, he's not the only one who's kind of, you know, monopolizing on Elvis's fame. He's just kind of the, the poster child for it. And the other thing that I really liked about the film is it kind of highlighted um, kind of the relationship. I don't know how much of this was exaggerated, um, mm -hmm. you know, for the, for the sake of the story, but, um, but I like to think that, you know, at least there are some truths in it, but kind of his relationship with, uh, BB King and, uh, you know, little Richard, so, uh, sister Rosetta, uh, Tharp and big mama Thornton. I liked all of that stuff. Um, seeing him like interact in that world. Um, I liked quite a bit. So that's, you know, kind of the, the gist of the story. It's, it's basically, um, a biopic about Elvis. It's about, you know, kind of him coming into, uh, you know, being probably the most uh, the most famous person in the world for a long time, and until the Beatles got here, uh, and then kind of the kind of the the tail end of his story. But like I said, it doesn't really focus on the tail end of his story, which I liked a lot. It was you know it was it was more of this uh, kind of tragic story about Elvis. So uh, I thought it was pretty good. Why don't we talk a little bit about our uh, our main two characters here? So we have Austin Butler. Uh, as Elvis, like you said, neither of us are super familiar with him. People seem to be really high on him, but I didn't know him really from anything other than, you know, we'd seen him in um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But, yep. you know, if you if you would have, 
you know, asked me to identify who he was in that film, I, I would have said, I don't know. Um, you know, until you, until you look it up and you're like, oh, okay. He was a, he was a guy on that horse at the ranch. That makes sense. Cause that's, yeah. that's who it was. But, uh, seeing the previews, you're like, man, this guy, he looks like Elvis, sounds like Elvis looks great. The costume changes are great. Uh, but what, what did you think about Austin Butler here in this film? I thought he did really well. I, I it wouldn't surprise me if he got a golden globe nomination for this. Um, I don't know about an Oscar nomination because they tend to be a lot more esoteric, uh, but I definitely think he did a very good job. I thought the makeup and the costuming for him um, in just in general was amazing um, because I'm looking at a picture of him right now and he's real good looking, but he ain't, he, he does not look like Elvis. Not that Elvis is better looking. I'm just saying they don't look the same. So the fact that he really does by the end of the film, when they show um, Elvis, like the real Elvis Presley film footage, you're like, which one is that? I don't know. Mm-hmm. The fact that was amazing to me. So not only that, but the cadence of his voice and the way in which he really seemed to struggle because at the, you know, at the end of the day, he's just a kid who wanted to, wanted to play guitar and, and build his mama house and have a better life and love on his wife. And like, he really had great intentions um, and mm-hmm. to, to see that turmoil in him and how he was just completely lost um, was really well, be- really beautifully portrayed by Austin Butler, I thought. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, Austin Butler was was really good in this. You watch the trailer and you're like, oh, like I said, he looks like Elvis. He sounds like Elvis. And then and then you're watching this. And every time he comes on screen, like you get almost lost in the fact that it's not Elvis. Like you feel like you're watching Elvis. And that's that's pretty amazing. And uh going through the film yeah you're like yeah he look he looks like Elvis he sounds like Elvis he doesn't have a ton of dialogue in this film I will say um you know most of it is you know done via you know dialogue from uh, Tom Parker or voiceover from Tom Parker or other people talking to or at Elvis Elvis isn't really saying a lot um but when he does it's impactful um but Austin Butler does a really good job of existing in the world as Elvis and being kind of the catalyst for all of this stuff that's happening to him uh he he pulls off the very sweaty elvis look pretty good i will say um but one of the one of kind of my one of my critiques of the movie i guess um and you'd mentioned it a little bit um you know when you're talking about the relationship with his with his mom and he was older uh, there's almost like no like age progression in the way that he looks you know from like 1950 to 1970 he still basically looks the same so you don't really get like you're like, oh, he's 20 years older now, or he's only like 16 years old now, or you know, whatever the case case yeah. would have been. But um, so that was that was kind of one of the little critiques. It just it just didn't feel like the movie like aged with him at all. Right. I thought that he was really good, and he's going to be in the upcoming Dune. I have a feeling that this is going to open a a lot of opportunity doors for Austin Butler to uh, have his pick of things that he wants to do. So uh, I have a feeling that we'll be seeing uh, more of that name uh, in the uh, marquee lights. I sure hope so because I I thought that this was great. Um, I thought this was a really good, uh, first feature movie that I'd seen anyway. And looking at the films, I think uh, other than the very small role that he had in once upon a time in Hollywood, I don't, I have not seen him in anything else. So, um, <clears throat> even though he probably doesn't feel like he's a newcomer, he's been doing this for a very long time. Uh, I think there's, there's more to come for him for sure. And Tom yeah. Hanks, you know, what can we say about Tom Hanks? He, He's kind of a master of his craft, right? I mean, he's won a couple of different Oscars. He's done, you know, really well for himself. He's played a lot of different roles. Mm-hmm. What did you think about him in this? 
Um, so, so it's very evident that Tom Hanks is, you know, uh, one of the greatest actors of all times and his delivery and, and the way he's portraying this character. Um, I thought that he looked good with the costuming and the makeup. Like uh, that was all very believable that he was, you know, a much heavier uh, set man. He had kind of this uh, longer nose that had to have been like a prosthetic. I thought that that all looked really great. Uh, his voice was kind of off-putting at times, I think. Um, and it felt like kind of his, uh, not his delivery so much, but kind of the accent changed a little bit, uh, which makes sense because Michaela was looking up some stuff we were, uh, right before we recorded and Tom Hanks actually, um, him and Rita Wilson uh, contracted COVID kind of early on in 2020 and that put the production on stop, which definitely could have changed the way that he was uh, doing this accent. So I thought that that was a little strange. I've, I don't, at least to my knowledge, I don't know that I've ever heard the actual Colonel Tom Parker talk. I suppose that it must have been something similar to that, but I, I didn't love that, but I liked the way um, that he kind of narrated it um, more directionally. The way Baz Luhrmann did some of it was kind of strange. I thought um, we mentioned kind of at the start, he wakes up like in this hospital and then it's kind of like this, I don't know, like fever dream kind of thing that he's in where he's walking through this casino all alone, which I liked a lot. And they flash back to it like a couple times right at the very start of the movie and then not again for a really long time. And it felt like that was just something that they kind of abandoned. I wish they would have either uh, committed to doing that and kept showing him, you know, kind of uh, like in that empty casino, like uh, reeling with these thoughts or not have done it. But uh, what do you think about Tom Hanks? I mean, obviously he's great, but. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I really liked it. I loved it. It wasn't over the top. Um I would have liked more subtlety in the manipulation because they show it a little bit at the very beginning where he's kind of listening into the conversations that Elvis is having with his family. And he mm -hmm. picks, we see later on that scene that you talked about where they're by themselves kind of up in this Ferris wheel. He's saying all these things that are very triggering to Elvis. You know, you can trust me. Family's so important. It's, you know, I will look after you. Um, I, Remember in the preview, there was a an over kind of a voiceover of, you know, Colonel Tom Parker saying we're both we're both the same. We're both just lost little boys. And I don't remember seeing that in the movie. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe you do. I don't. I would have liked to have seen where that occurred, because I really feel that that was sort of the crux of the relationship. And kind of where we, what we do see is at the end, he, Colonel Tom Parker's character kind of just shuts down and shuts off and mm -hmm. says, you know, hey, you can't fire me. If you fire me, I'm going to take all the, the money that you do have because you didn't read what you were signing and your father didn't protect you of your, with, for your interests. So, you know, do whatever you want. And I would have liked a little bit more pulling on that string from Tom yeah. Hanks and I don't know if that's really a decision he can make because he's got to work with a script and direction and all of that but right um yeah well it was it was very good it was not you know a life-changing performance for me um as far as him nearly as much as it was from with Austin Butler if if mm. you could compare the two and I don't think it's necessarily fair to compare them but yeah. um I was very surprised pleasantly by Austin Butler's performance yeah, and then good, we talked good. about the standouts, right? You said that um, the the lovely, wonderful actress who played Priscilla Presley, and I'm going to butcher her name if I say <laughs> it. Olivia Diong. Yes, Olivia Diong. She was wonderful, and I thought she 
really did depict the sweetness of that love where she really cared about him. And she Mm -hmm. finally was like, I can't do this anymore and I have to leave. And even then, um, you know, while there, there's the scene, the, the last scene that they are together in where she's picking up her daughter after having a visit with her dad, um, she's begging him to go get help and he just won't do it. And she just, she just loves him, but she can't be there anymore. Yeah. Um, I thought she was wonderful and I hope we see more of her. Yeah, she was, she was excellent. Um, and yeah, I mean, really all of the, the cast, uh, did pretty well. I, I think maybe, uh, kind of within the film, I would have liked uh, a little bit more attention or <laughs> acknowledgement of who the different people were because there were always a lot of people around Elvis and there were always the same core of people, but they never really like identified them uh, too much. So you couldn't really make a connection with with them or the relationship that they had. But I thought that that was great. His stuff with the parents was great. Um, but let's talk about um, kind of the uh, Baz Luhrmann uh, kind of influence on this film. It's it's definitely uh, one, of, one of his films. It has the look of it it has the sound of it uh for sure um you know we talked about it a little bit kind of coming out of the movie last night is that the the editing on this is, is really great um but it it felt very kind of cobbled together almost in a way like it like it's weird it was it was all done really well it just didn't feel uh i don't know <laughs> like, like i don't know like done together or or something i don't know there was something about it that was wonky i couldn't quite get my head around it and two hours and 40 minutes michaela this movie long long movie real long it was very long i think they could have done a better job for sure compressing the time or with if they were going to take two hours and 40 minutes really streamlining or or not streamlining but telling the story in a way that flowed better because you're right um mm-hmm. The beginning I thought was really wonderful and I liked aspects of the end. The middle seemed a little jumbled because you didn't quite know what year it was. You didn't quite know where they were. Um, You could see in the scenes kind of if they were in Memphis or if they were somewhere else, but you didn't know kind of what year it was. So I know they tried to do that through some of the touring posters and things like that, but that didn't sit uh, as well as it could have. Um, yeah. So you were kind of, you were kind of, it was kind of jumbled as far as the timeline. And I think it was meant to be fairly chronological um, with the bookend of, you know, this right. being in the mind's eye of Colonel Tom Parker as he's laying in bed dying. Right. Yeah. One of, one of the things that, that drove me nuts, it drives me nuts in movies. Um, it drove me nuts particular in uh, um, the house of Gucci, but at, at the end of this way, it goes into kind of the end of Elvis right before he dies. Uh, you get a thing on screen that says like one year later or something. And, and that's the only time it does, does that, but there are lots of time jumps in this thing. So I don't, I don't know why you wouldn't always say that or put up what year it was. I, I think he maybe tried to do it was like you said, some of the tour posters and some of the newspaper clippings, but I, the way that it was cut and edited or they, they should have like altered those things. So it was more clear what year or where we were. Um, so it left you feeling a little bit lost. Now the, the long r- runtime aside, like I didn't, I never felt like it was dragging per se, but it, it just felt too long. We walked out of it last night and we're like, yeah, that was too long. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, again, I think the, if they'd showed a little bit more of the manipulation and maybe his struggle towards the end you know, they touched on a lot of different things. Like they touched on the fact that Elvis really wanted to say something. And they talked about this Christmas special where he was supposed to be singing, here comes Santa Claus. They, they talk mm-hmm. about that a lot. 
and he's supposed to be singing this this these Christmas songs in a Christmas sweater and he doesn't want to do any of that he wants to do the songs that he did from the very beginning of his career and then he works with a team and writes kind of a protest song about you know what he believes and and it goes really well even though it's completely against what Colonel Tom Parker wanted um they don't but they but then they, they, it just kind of dies they, they there's nothing left of that there you know there's no and maybe it's because it became a moot point because then he really got into the drugs and he wasn't uh as yeah. worried uh, you know i i don't know why we made the the choice was made from a movie perspective but it touched on a lot of those things it didn't follow through with those things so mm. i don't know yeah. and maybe in an effort to not have it be almost three hours long, we could have either gotten rid of those things and focused more on the relationship or focus less on the relationship and focus more on those things. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to say, hard to say, but there were some, you know, very bright spots. You know, we'd mentioned the acting. I uh, was really good. Um, and you know, you and I are big fans of Baz Luhrmann films. Uh, we like, you know, great Gatsby, Moulin Rouge, Romeo and Juliet, all those films that, that, you know, him, from so it's it's very colorful it's very bright which is great the costuming is amazing um i i would be uh not surprised at all to see it get some sort of uh nod for that on the come academy totally. award time for sure um and one of the other things I, I don't know necessarily that i i liked it or disliked it there is so much music in this thing like the like the soundtrack for this is going to be like on like nine albums long like <laughs> like literally like literally the music doesn't stop in this for the first like two hours of the movie it's just music yeah. in the background the entire time um and it it's bouncing around a lot like moulin rouge right a lot of classical stuff obviously a lot of elvis songs but then uh modern stuff is you know he's kind of going through and we're doing some establishing shots and stuff like that um so i thought it was it was really good sometimes sometimes i don't love that i don't always love it in in moulin rouge the way that it's that it's done but here it seemed to kind of work in a kind of jumbled messy kind of a way i don't know yeah yeah i i don't know there was a lot of new music and a lot of old music obviously a lot of elvis songs were in this film um if you don't like elvis songs uh, spoiler warning <laughs> spoiler <laughs> this is not the movie for you um yeah looking at this it looks like there's something like 52 songs on the soundtrack um and a lot of them are elvis songs but i didn't i don't know how i felt about some of the newer music mixed with the older music some of it i thought worked so well mm -hmm. um where they kind of morphed the beat a little bit. So it was a mashup and I thought that was cool. Um, some of it, I didn't, I think they were trying too hard and maybe it was a little clunkier, especially when they were trying to do some some stuff around BB King's music. I, I was like, I don't, I don't know what's hap I don't know what's happening here, but um, I was really expecting a lot of music in the soundtrack because it's Boz Lerman and he tends to do really amazing things with with the music in his films mm -hmm. I, I i'm gonna give him a solid e for effort here um there were certain things that i that i thought didn't didn't work quite as well as he probably wanted it to but um some of it was brilliant i loved the scene in the in the very well it's one of the very beginning opening scenes where elvis is young and he's kind of looking through uh in this blues club where there's very bluesy stuff happening and a lot of people are, you know, dancing and grinding down and having a great time. And then right next to it, um, there's a revival, a church revival going on. Mm -hmm. And that mashup was brilliant. That yeah. was brilliant. I thought that was so nice, nicely done where he, you really get to see and hear all the things that, you know, really 
turned Elvis on to 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 make the kind of music that he wanted to make. Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And yeah, that was that was really excellent. So kind of kind of final thoughts from me here and then I'll turn it over to you. I think that this movie was was really good. It wasn't great. I I was hoping that it was going to be a little bit better, but I think that it's definitely worth watching, um, you know, just in general, if, if you like Baz Luhrmann's kind of style of film, I think it's worth watching. It's worth watching to see Austin Butler as Elvis. It's worth watching if you're a big fan of Elvis. Um, and yeah, I think I think it was, I think it was pretty good. That's where, that's where I landed on, on this one. Not great, but pretty good. Yeah. I would say like a seven, eight out of 10. Yeah. It's good. It's very good. It's a solid film. Um, It's, it's, yeah. (laughs) You said it right. Yeah, and it got us to have a pink Cadillac margarita, which is always good. And we want all of you to have a pink Cadillac margarita. So make sure you mix one of those up and yes. take a picture of it, and you can send it in to us. Uh, like like we've said many times, if you ever make a cocktail that's pink, definitely send a picture to Michaela because she wants to see it. But uh, send us pictures. Uh, you can do that on our social media. So Instagram and Twitter, it's at Drink the Movies, and on Facebook.com slash Drink the Movies. Uh, if you want to get uh, pictures of ours, episode recaps, uh, look up our old cocktails, find out how to make that watermelon uh, margarita from Dirty Dancing, because that thing is insanely good. Uh, look that up. It's on our website. It's www.drinkthemovies.com. Uh, go there, check it out, have a look, and recreate some classics there. But while you're doing that, while you're on the computer, you know, checking out cocktails, looking up uh, recipes, uh, you should probably swing by your favorite podcast player and leave us a review. Michaela, where can they do that? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. I think we're just on a brand new one, right? Yeah, we, just- we are on TuneIn Tune in Radio. So if you're listening to us on TuneIn Radio, welcome. Welcome to Drink the Movies. Yes. Uh, please let us know that you are a new family member of the Cocktail and Movies family. Uh, we love cocktails. We love talking about them. We love talking about movies. We love doing that together. If you um, like what you're hearing We're so excited about that. Please subscribe. We do a couple drops a week. We love building out this community. It has really taken off in the last few months and we're so excited about that. Um, This is the best job in the world. So uh, thank you. And if you can leave us a five-star review, that'd be even more awesome because it helps us get the drink the movie stuff out there. That's right. We want to be as worldwide and famous as Elvis uh, Aaron Presley himself. So uh, if you could do that, we would appreciate it. But now, Michaela, I am all out of margaritas and that's unacceptable. We need more margaritas. We need more Elvis. I'm going to go listen to Elvis. I'll look at the pictures from my uh, wedding vow renewal. I'll see our Elvis impersonator uh, that that remarried us. It was, it was a good time. So uh, definitely, uh, definitely going to go do that. And we're going to have to come up with a movie for next time on Drink, Drink the, movies. the Movies. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. Thank you. Thank you very much.